All right. Hello, Oasis. We are back with episode two. I am your host, Emily, and I am with Ben and yeah. Brennan. Let's go. Yep. And we are super excited. Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say episode two? I did. Are we committing to a brand new? I I didn't know how we felt. I like it. All right. New and fresh. Episode two. It's decided. Welcome to the rebrand. <laughs> <laughs> Some call this deconstruction. Did we deconstruct the podcast and bring it back? I don't understand why you would say that word. Well, because I'm just trying to buzzword, you know, the algorithm's listening. I'm just trying to figure out why you're throwing Emily off in the second <laughs> Sorry. episode. Emily, go ahead. <laughs> episode okay. Two. Um, but as we deconstruct the entire podcast right now, I want to open up with this question. Um, by the time we release this podcast, it's going to be a new year. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious, is there an, a part of your life that you normally look at when we come into a new year? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I look at everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a big, big, big advocate for reflection. And there's, I don't know who, I don't even know if I'll say the quote right, but there's the quote where like, the only life worth living is a life well examined. And the heart behind that is like, we have to look at our lives in order to understand where we're doing well and doing poorly and then work on the poor things, celebrate the good things. But if we just go through life never examining what we're experiencing and what we're walking through, then we're not fully living in one, what it means to be human and, and all that God has designed us to be. And so if we just go mundanely through every day, counting days in a row without ever stopping to pause and ask God, where are we doing well? Where are we struggling? Celebrating and mourning. Like that's that's what it means to live life. So I, all of it, top to bottom, physical, emotional, relational, financial. spiritual, financial. At the, I already have, I got excited the other day. Um, I was uh, at the, I always keep my budget in an Excel sheet. I know there's programs out there that will do it for you. I'm aware and I understand that I could pay a couple bucks. What's a budget? And save, you need a budget. <laughs> That's a website you can go to right now. You need a budget. They're not a sponsor. But I do mine in Excel. And at the end of every year, about November, I start making an end of the year average one. And I'm not an Excel wizard, but I do know how to do sums and averages. And so I sum and average all of my months and then it, it's just nice. And then you compare it to last year's. It's like, where did I do good? And then you start highlighting. And at the end, then I get to walk my wife through the whole thing because she hasn't looked at her money in nine months. So just put her on blast. No, that's okay. That's the way she likes it. Everything you just said sounds exhausting and terrifying. (laughs) I love it. I'm glad you like it. Go ahead. I tend to allow the calendar year, like the normal rhythms of, of the year to be what I am examining in the moment. So financial, I won't almost ever, I shouldn't say ever look at it, but I examine it between February and April as I'm getting okay. ready to do taxes. So that also allows us to then set up for the next year. There you go. For some reason, the new year, I look at a lot of things, almost everything relationally is the number one thing that always comes back. Mm. So it's marriage, it's friendships, it's church. Like for some reason, relational, like I examine my relationships at the new year. I don't know why. It's just it's good. Yeah. That's what I lean towards. I mean, mine's not super deep. I kind of feel self-conscious about it now. <laughs> um, but usually January comes and I'm like, all right, I'm doing it. I am running a marathon in May. <laughs> oh yeah. And hey, then like. You got to give yourself a little bit of grace there. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. And then like two weeks in, I'm like, yeah, no, forget about this. I'm not doing it. See, my thing, I one of my new goals is to one day run a marathon, but I know I'm a fair weather runner, which I, I don't know why I'm looking at you. Yeah, what are we looking but, at the wrong <laughs> But like, that's the worst part of the year, January through May. There, there literally is no worse time to train for a marathon than those five months. I disagree. 
I would rather run in the cold than in the heat. And I'm from Kansas, and the summers are oh. over 100 degrees. Ah, give me an I, August marathon. 100%. I need those three months to yep. just be outside. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, let's let's do this thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> where this question comes from, I had a question about, is it biblical to make a New Year's resolution? And so I decided that I would just type that straight into a Google search engine. Mm-hmm. Which is what you do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's what you do. Yeah. And... We're going to start off with a ton of content because I got stuck in the weeds and in this wormhole of the internet. And and so when I was looking at this question, um, what a lot of websites led me to Leviticus, which is a book about how Israel is called to worship God. And there are a series of holidays in Leviticus, and one of them is called the Feast of Trumpets. And the Feast of Trumpets marks the end of Israel's year, the end of an agricultural season, and the beginning of a new agricultural season. So Israel would have just harvested all of their crops, and they're getting ready to plant and ready to prepare for a new season of harvest. And so what's significant about this is that for nine days, that's how long the Feast of Trumpet is, Israel will stop from their work, they feast on what God has already provided, and they remember and rely on God and God alone. Yet, they also have trumpet blasts going on. That's why the why it's called the Feast of Trumpets. And this is a prayer requesting divine help for the next agricultural season because they don't know what God's going to provide. God could have provided very, very little. And their prayer... Shout out to all you farmers. Yeah. That literally have to enter a season of trust every year because you don't know what's going to happen. That is true. Sorry, continue. Yeah, so like they're in the Feast of Trumpets and they're thanking God for providing for their physical health. On the 10th day of this month, so nine days is the Feast of Trumpets, the 10th day is the Day of Atonement. And this is the day where Israel's sins are forgiven. And so they enter a new year thanking God and preparing God for a physical harvest and a spiritual harvest. And I was thinking about this. I was like, this is so different from how we do New Year's resolutions because we enter the year thinking like, how can I make myself better? But Israel enters the year in spiritual newness and saying, how can I walk with God? Like, what is God asking me to do when I walk with him? And so just kind of like maybe take a second to debrief because that was a lot of content. When we hear about the Festival of Trumpets, what stands out to you? Yeah, I, I, I think one of the things that really stands out to me is just how present God is in the process. And that's probably the hardest part about New Year's resolutions is how easily we can detach God from our self-help. Mm-hmm. Right, Because we'll talk about here in a second how all of these goals, while none of them might be bad, when God is removed from the center and he's detached from the why, it becomes corrupted and it's easily broken and misleading. Yet here in their process, right, even when it comes to something like crops and a new year and the forgiveness of sin, God has to be the, the paramount idea there. And for us, I just don't know if that's true all the time as we t- transition into it. he has to be a part of it. That he has be. to be. Yeah. 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 That, that number one, for sure. That sends out to, uh, the feast continually point people back to community and the ports of corporate worship. So it's like, yeah, worship happens in the community level, but those feasts are a really awesome opportunity for people to be reminded that work worship also happens in day to day life. So it's like you set up this nine day period. The 10th is a reminder that your sins have been forgiven or like you go through the sacrificial process and you have that 10 day period to be able to then go now through the rest of the year to remember like, well, when what we learned, what we fasted on, what we stopped doing, we continue now to work into and do, but we are reminded that we do it because he's involved because we need to be worshiping God. Yeah. I think just the aspect of communal and corporate, like I don't, I don't corporately invite a lot of people into my examination, mm. like especially in new year stuff and some things I do. I don't in this. And it's like, okay, that's a, 
convicting and great challenge. I'm, like, I'm glad your wormhole like brought that out in me right now. I was like, well, where am I inviting people and should I, where should I be inviting people? I, I think one of the things though, too, that I would add to this and is you said the word remember. Yeah. And I, and that's so key. They spend all of this time remembering in, t- in order to be launched into the next thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would challenge us as we listen, like, that's good. do we spend time remembering what this last year has entailed or do we just cut blank, look to the future yeah. and make goals based on what we hope to achieve? Right, like your physical, your mental, your relational goals, you're you're making those. But did you look at what God has done this last year? Did you look at your places of weakness? Did you look at your places of of where you weren't trusting Him and weren't relying on Him, and where you really do need deep deep transformation? And let those things drive you as you remember them towards God's transformation, rather than just, hey, this looks good on a poster board or on a sticky note, or this sounds good when I tell people. That's also good, and I think too, like when we think about Israel, like thanking God for the harvest, like they didn't have genetically modified seeds. They didn't have combines and tractors. Like they really had to rely on God. And like our farmers, like they really have to rely on God too, but they do have some graces and things. And so what does it look like to look in your year and to like look for the small things that God provided that only he could have? And and how do we build that dependence on him? Super good. So kind of the first question I have going off of this is, what does it look like to examine ourselves? Yeah, when we're looking back, you mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I'm trying to figure out how to... I think when it when it starts, I think there has to be a period of time, right? I think we can give you a bunch of tools and things to walk through, but one of the things that I've recognized as people is we just often don't see, leave ourselves enough time for the things that matter. Mm. So when we get... The, the holiday season is unbelievably busy, Yes. right? You're going to go from one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And for some students, you're going to have a break. And for some young, young adults, you're going to get a couple days off, but then you're right into the new year and you're already doing these goals and it's, you're back at school, you're back at work and you just never took the time to do anything we're about to tell you. So some of it literally is, you probably just have to sit aside 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour where you get away by yourself and you ask yourself some of these questions and process through some of this stuff. Because if you don't set the time aside, none of what we're about to tell you is going to be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have said intentionality, which means you have to take time. And I think it's, and not just taking time, do you know exactly what you're examining? Mm. Like there's a reality of like, there's specific things in which to examine. And I think sometimes I, I, don't know if I prioritize well the categories of the things in which I'm examining. Okay. Like I'll examine, like I said, my relationships in the new year. And then throughout the year, there's aspects and moments where I'm examining my relationship with Jesus. But why can't that be a time where I'm examining that which should matter most? Okay. And do I even know what matters most to me? Yeah. Not that my relationships don't matter and they're insanely important. Not that my finances don't matter, they're insanely important, but I tend to around that season think about those things and not necessarily my relationship with Jesus. So it's mm. like in the spe- like intentionality being specific, have I prioritized that which I'm examining? Yeah. And do I know why? Yeah, that's good. So what have been some practical tools in examining yourself? Has it been prayer, scripture, community? How have you seen that play out in your life? All in yes. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Different pieces of all of them, right? And and scripture foundational, right? You got to soak yourself in God's word. You got to be immersed in God's word. You have to be able to know what God's word is teaching you about the areas of transformation you're looking for because God's word is truth. 
And so as you're looking to bring correction or, or transformation, you have to fill yourself with God's truth, whether that's through daily scripture reading, scripture memory, um, sitting down and studying scripture with other people, getting commentaries to understand the scripture better, asking a friend about scripture, right? There's this root of scripture that we have to dive into in order to understand what transformation and, and change should bring. Yeah, the community piece is insanely important. I talked about that a little mm-hmm. bit. They kind of like... If I ha- if I don't ask my wife where I'm falling <laughs> yeah. short, I've failed in an examination process. Oh yeah. The person who knows me the most, whoever that is in your life, have you sat down and asked them, "Hey, where have I fallen short?" In 2023, Allie and I, Allie, my wife, we do we did monthly goals, and so what we would do is a little mini version of this process. We would look over after our last month and say, "Where's one area that we didn't live up to what God had called us to, and how do we step into that with the goal?" And it got to be December like 4th. And every night my wife had looked at me and she said, did you pick your December goal? Did you pick your just Because if it wasn't, if she hadn't asked me those questions, yes. I, I'm straight up just not going to set the goal. Yep. And then all of a sudden it's December 15th, yep. it's December 20th, and I never got around. And that's just how it happens sometimes. And so accountability, huge. See it constantly. That's so good. How do we make sure in this process, like whether it's through scripture or prayer, these moments aren't ones where we're pointing the finger at someone else, but we're Ooh. allowing God to like uncover what's hidden. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I think I'd have to say it, it's humility at the core of it, right? When you're praying and you're, and is humility something you can just achieve or just be aware of. I don't, I don't know the answer to that really for sure. But like when you're processing these things, you have to have the humility to be able to point the finger at yourself and to own what you need to own. Um, there is a piece of every single part of your transformation that is you driven, right? We're ultimately asking God to bring that change and it might involve another person, but we have to own that part of it. And so I would say key to that would have to be humility to embrace this process in a way that is willing to understand our shortcomings. That makes sense. Yeah. And we've never reached it. Like there, there is an old, if, if the goal of one of the goals and purposes of the Christian life and the follower of Jesus life is becoming more like Jesus, I haven't reached that. So the humility says I haven't reached it yet. Yeah. There's nothing in which I can't continue to pursue mm-hmm. and move into and grow into. Mm-hmm. That's good. What would you say? Do you have a different answer? I think I heard my prof say it once and it's really harsh. So forgive me, but <laughs> it was like specifically for the Bible, but I think it hits on so many other things. Like if you... And how you process things are the hero of every single story and and every single narrative in your head. You're doing something wrong. Mm. Like if you can never read scripture and be called out, if you never pray and feel convicted, like there's something wrong with that. And it probably touches on humility a lot. Yeah. That's super good. Yep. And I I think you hit on it right there. It's got to be a prayerful process. It has to be. Whenever you're making these decisions, we can't silo ourselves and just go without. We have to invite God into that process to be able to speak to us in our convictions through his word, through community. So be extremely prayerful as you look back and remember. Honestly, yeah, I would say that's probably a a, a big piece that I overlook of what does it look like to be prayerful and remembering because it's my lived experience. And so I assume I know how to look back and remember. But often when I'm prayerful and remembering, God brings back memories to me or he brings back memories to me in a new light that I didn't see in the first time. And he connects threads of the story he's been writing in my life that help me to then move forward. But on my own strength remembering, I just don't see with the same eyes that he has desired me to. That's good. So kind of moving to another question here. Let's say I have a goal that's not specifically spiritual, like drinking a gallon of water every day, getting debt free, spending more time with my family. Is it okay to have a goal that does not directly lead me to Christ likeness? I would argue that 
we need to define what spiritually means. Ooh, <laughs> go ahead. So I, in my pursuit of holistic health, I think that to be physically unhealthy is to be spiritually unhealthy. Yeah. I think if I, when I'm emotionally unhealthy, I am spiritually unhealthy because I take the sense of, for me to be spiritually healthy, I think God looks at me as a holistic person, physical, emotional, mental, relational. And it's like it, when one of those things is off, I am spiritually unhealthy and am not Christ-like in some area. So for me, it's like I think drinking more water because that's a healthy thing for you is actually a leaning towards Christ-likeness in a sense of mm-hmm. if I'm physically healthy, I'm able to, I think it involves me being aspects of spirituality. So I'm just destroying the entire question. No, I think that's, <laughs> I, that but, is the so question. So I think all, all of these, I think that it's healthy to, again, you got to go back to motive. You have to go back to why, why, why? So for me, a couple years ago, I set out to train to do a sprint triathlon which is one of the worst experiences I've ever had. <laughs> but you did it. I, I don't want to ruin the story. I, I, I don't want to ruin it. it I finished you did it. it. I ended up accomplishing it. But the reason wasn't just like, so I could say I could accomplish it. I need those kind of goals in general for me. Some of it was like, I knew that if I had that goal, I would train and work hard towards it. I would get physically healthy because in my head, there's aspects of some, something, some aspect of me being Christ-like is to be a really great Christ-like parent. Mm. And I knew that as I continue to pursue physical health, I was going to be able to, do what I needed to do with my kids, stay physically healthy as much as it was up to me to be able to be a good parent. So like that brought into this holistic idea of like what it meant for me to be Christ-like in different relationships and different aspects of my life. So like working out a ton or at least to some degree to get physically healthy was so that I could be a better parent for me. Yeah. And that aspect for me is like, that's a calling of just being more like Jesus in that specific relationship. So I, I lean towards like, man, there are, there are things that God has asked us to steward and, and steward well, and in that, I think every area of our life we can steward well, <clears throat> and when it's up our to our ability, I think we can be Christ-like in every area. Yeah, I, I th- it, part of it is I feel we have this tendency to want to compartmentalize and to sequence off different areas of our life, just like what you're talking about. So my body is unspiritual, and my money is unspiritual, and my career is unspiritual. <laughs> Yet what you're saying is these are all spiritual elements because they link into your well-being, which helps you to follow Jesus or yeah. not, right? And I just, that tendency is to examine each area mm-hmm. and to say, this is me, this is me, this is me, and that's God's. Mm-hmm. Or like, this area is where I worship, this is my church community. Yeah. But to have everything else be non-spiritual, where then you've got your A.W. Tozer quote. Uh, say, There's no separation between sacred and secular. Yeah, like that feels when I when I first hear that I'm like yeah. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then I lean into it and I yeah. think, no, but God is in everything, yeah, right. And He is sovereign over he all, and He has created everything. all, yeah. And so as we interact with all things, there are elements of the spiritual that are helping us or hurting us mm-hmm. in those areas yeah. that we must be aware of. Yep. Yes. So how do we kind of navigate that bridge between a goal that glorifies God um, and first and primarily versus a goal that is glorifying our flesh. Jesus cares about your heart. Yeah. Yes. He does. He, he cares deeply and desperately about your heart. And so those two, you can make the same goal, two different people, but two different hearts and one will glorify the father and one will. Yeah. And so you have to do the, the heart work of asking yourself why to a deeper level than your first initial answer. Right. I want to drink more water. Why? Cause I want to be a healthy person. Why? Yeah. You have to get one step deeper than often we're willing and wanting to go to find out what our heart truly wants in that. I want to go to the gym. Why? Because I want to be physically healthy. It's like 
you got to go a little mm-hmm. bit deeper. Yeah. Like I think even with money, right? I I want to I want to pay off debt. Why? Because I want to be debt free. Why? Because I don't want to trust God. Or why? Because I want to steward my family well, right? Like, where's the heart in that? Because one heart, right, can be really good, whereas the other one, I don't know, it yeah. gets really gray. So, agreed. It's the answer, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> gotta check your heart. Which goes back to what we talked about. And how do? You, what's the process? Which you do that? It's mm-hmm. gotta be prayerful. Mm-hmm. Bring community in that you trust it and that you know loves Jesus. And I think, too, examining can be something that happens more than once. It's yeah. not something we do December 31st. Right. It's something that we continually do whenever we practice something. So I know for me with running, like almost daily when I run, I have to check why am I doing this? And if a lot of times it might be for a reason that's not glorifying to God. Mm. And usually I have to quit running because I don't want to participate in something that is going to glorify my flesh over the glory of God. And though running is great for my body, it's great for my mental health. And like God has asked me to steward my body. Like I have to be conscious of the ways that like body positivity and, and a lot of like these new movements that we've seen with people working out and like trying to build muscle and all these things. Like it's been self glorifying rather than God glorifying. So then in that, I have a follow-up question. How do you navigate that which you found to be maybe not God-honoring in your heart, yet you know is something you ought to pursue, right? So you can talk about health, where health is something that's really easily, you can start to see the areas where it can trend badly, but we know how important, or we should know how important our physical bodies are for health. So the tendency I think I could hear people say is, I haven't been able to have God-glorifying goals when it comes to my physical health whether it's eating, working out, sleep. So then they're like, well, I'm just not going to do those things. How do we be about redeeming that which is broken in our heart in order to find and do the things God has still called us to do? I think for me, if we're looking specifically like at how I run and train, um, it's not just in the moments that I'm physically running, it's in how I take care of my body before and after. Mm. Um, because if I'm trying to run and train for a reason that's apart from glorifying God, my diet and how I treat my body and rest and recovery is going to be very different if I'm seeking to, I don't know, gain a bunch of muscle, which you're not going to by running and get like super strong versus like when I'm running to be healthy, like I'm going to be eating the right food afterwards because that's going to help my body. And when my body is healthy, my mind's healthy and my heart's healthy and I can worship God fully in that. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> See, I, I think, I think we can get too far into the weeds of it. Okay. I think we can over-examine and that's where I feel like yeah. I don't know where we're at right now. Okay. In the midst of it. Because I think you can get to a point of running is okay just to run. Yeah. But I mean, like, and then it's, can you get too far on the other side of over-examining of, and forget about even running, of, you talk about spending money mm. and how you spend money. Of, so before every transaction, when I go to the store, do I have to ask God, should I buy this these groceries? Some would say. And so that's the only question. Yeah. Is that is that over-examining? Is that what we should be doing? I I think you know your heart in that, right? Like you have to you have to ask the question. It's maybe not impl- it's maybe not explicit every single time. You don't have to go through the process of journaling every single time you decide to go for a run or buy groceries. But like you you need to know what your heart is in doing that task in general, mm-hmm. right? So going to the gym. I don't pray every time, I, but I know my heart in that desire. Or like buying groceries for your kids or for your family or shopping for that, that right? Like I think 
I, I don't know if I would lean towards the over-examining. I don't know how many people I've experienced go that route yeah. where they're asking themselves too much. Yeah. And that's paralyzing them from actual action. Yep. Whereas I think when you ask the question, you don't maybe have to ask it every time, but you should ask when you're starting something or when you're evaluating yeah. something, when, when you're in the midst of it, you should know consistently what you're. How do you guys discern in examination the voice of the enemy who's trying to steal, kill, destroy you versus the voice of God? Because I think that's also reality. You got to go back to what we've been talking about. You have to bring it back to scripture. And some of these things are not going to line up perfectly. Right? When you're talking about some of the goals that you might set, there might not be a passage where you flip over and it says, this is what the Lord tells you to do. But right, look for the characteristics. Look for the heart of God in that. You got to get your people in it. Right, you have to be able to discern with others, and you got to renew your mind. Yeah. You have to be able to take thoughts captive and learn what God has spoken, and then learn what He's speaking to you, and what doesn't sound like God, and what's not His heart. What is coming from shame rather than just conviction? What is coming from a, a past brokenness or trauma? Which, which, what is God trying to? You know, there's all that stuff that is internal work of renewing your mind. And I think what we're hitting on here is kind of the wormhole I got stuck in. Like it's a vast topic, and it's a very fine line to try and navigate of like, how, how can I glorify God and make myself by the spirit, like allow him to work in my life this year without it turning into something where like the enemy starts attacking me or I start listening to the voice of the enemy and it turns stray. Like how do I stay 100% in the direction of Jesus without veering off on the road? And, and that's a larger practical question when we do anything in, in faith, right? We're asking it about a very specific option, but when you're trying to hear hear and discern the Lord anywhere, the enemy's trying to speak yep. and he's trying to sow deceit. So how do we learn to discern the voice of God holistically mm-hmm. across not just this area, but in our entire life, yeah. knowing that the enemy has plans just like God has plans, but his plans are, the enemy's plans are for your downfall and for your harm. So, yeah, I mean, that's a large, that's a big question <laughs> there, Ben. And it's a huge forest. It's a huge forest. Um, But yeah, how do we, in this year, like how do we establish rhythms that set us towards Christ-likeness? I mean, I don't, I don't want to be too redundant, but we got to find out how Jesus lived his life and how scripture has called us to live our life and move in that direction. When you see the patterns of Jesus, when you see the, the ways, words, and wisdom, as Aaron Cloud says here at church, you have to move in those ways, not necessarily exactly, right? You, If Jesus woke up in the middle of the night to climb a mountain while he was praying, that doesn't mean you have to move from South Dakota to Colorado to go up into the middle of the night to climb a mountain. But the heart of that is Jesus retreated often to his father. Yeah. And so you do that. Jesus surrounded himself with community, right? So do you need to go find three people named Peter, James, and John to be your best friend? No. But should you have people who know you deeply and you invite into your most intimate of moments? Absolutely. So some of that. I think that hits on a quote of John Mark Comer. If you want to have the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the way of Jesus. And the way of Jesus isn't just in prayer and in scripture. It's in the everyday moments of how he interacted with people, like how he ate with people, invited the least and the lost to his table and shared space with them. And, and so, yeah, it's adopting the way of Jesus as your life. That's good for sure. Yep. I agree with all that. (laughs) So maybe just to wrap up here real quick, um, we have said a lot, we have gotten into the forest and into the weeds for sure. What encouragement do you have for someone who is seeking growth this year? 
You have a thought? I, yeah. I mean, start simple because you can get overwhelming as this podcast has gone on. <laughs> uh, I think you can sense that for me at least. Um, yeah. I mean, if if it's, if it's you're coming at it right now, it's like, oh, I have to examine every year of my life right now. Don't because mm. you'll get, I think, exhausted. At some point, yes, it's healthy to mm. check motives on stuff. Um, but I would say the biggest encouragement is start with what's a simple right now rhythm uh, of Jesus that you can adopt and that you can follow. Yeah. Yeah, start there and then continue to move forward. I would say have a dialogue with a close friend, someone who's trusted. Uh, and just like Ben's saying, some, I think part of it is it's, it's easy to get lost in your own head, especially when you're trying to do deep work with lots of different questions that you're asking yourself. And getting that out of your head and into a safe space with someone who loves Jesus and loves you is a really good step. So maybe you don't have to flush out all of these things, but maybe start to ask some of these conversations with someone and just dialogue around it and don't look for every single answer, but see what the, see what God might speak through a conversation that, that glorifies him. That's good. I think a lot of times too, like God isn't going to ask us um, to do like to try and go from earth to the moon. He's going to ask us, how can we add one more piece to the ship? And then he's going to aid us in that. And so we don't have to do um, a huge work. We get to do something small and something practical and hmm. he's going to build off of that. Yeah. Good. Well, there you go. Happy New Year. Episode two. <laughs> 2024. <laughs> That's disgusting. It's crazy. crazy. Only 76 more years till year 3000. I won't. What? Say that again? Yeah. Year you, what? No, I'm just joking. But th- th- I'm just joking. <laughs> I know. I know it's like 976, right? Sure. Yeah. You guys yeah. are looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah. But the year 3000, I will not see. I know that. I'm well aware. But I wish. That'd be sweet. You think you're going to see 2100? 20, yeah. Uh, I hope not. I don't think I am. I, I will. Know, actually, I know I'm You not. think? Yeah. All the women in my family lived to triple digits, and my I was born goodness. in 2000. See, I have now. That's incredible. This isn't how we should end, but it's going to be. I have zero desire to live to be that old. Agreed. <laughs> I agree. I don't want to put a cap on it, but like 80 sounds kind of nice. Yeah, like I have to I mean, save I'm for retirement. Happy if I hit 50. That's a great. That's a great. <laughs> All right, goodbye. That was a good time. We love you guys. Peace out. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>